All right. Well, Pastor Scott started a series he called New Year, New You. And uh, then when he asked me if I'd take a couple of Sundays, I just sort of had this thing percolating around my my uh, thinking. And I thought, I'm just going to keep on going. And so last week we started in uh, on some stuff. I want to just do a little bit of a review, take you back to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul writing to the Roman church says, I beseech you, and that's one of these old English words that just means I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you in the strongest terms, uh, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? And we kind of touched on that word transformed last week because that word uh, in the Greek is, if, if, you, if I wrote it out, it wouldn't mean anything, but it says metamorpheo, and it's the word we get our word metamorphosis from. And metamorphosis, if you remember your your uh, biology from school, is that transformation that takes place when when um, a, a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, for example. And we know a caterpillar uh, is quite a different insect than a than a butterfly is. Uh, dramatically different. It's that difference where a tadpole turns into a frog. You know, I was just kind of pondering that, and I thought, that is quite a transformation, because it goes from this water-breathing animal with gills to an animal with lungs that lives on the on the land. It's like, this is quite a transformation here. And when Paul says, I want you to be transformed, what he's saying is, in effect, I want you to become a completely and totally new creation, one that is completely and dramatically different from what you were before. Paul is saying, I want the word of God to change you to the place where you are not even the same person anymore. And the idea is that we're recreated or transformed into a completely new person as God's word changes our hearts and our minds. Now, I said last week, too, that renewing the mind is more than just learning. It also means changing, right? Again, it's that metamorphosis. I can learn something, but if I don't apply it, it isn't of any benefit to me. We touched briefly last week on Jesus' parable where he talked about the man who built a house on the sand and the one who built a house on the rock. The one who built his house on the sand, he heard the word, but he didn't act on it. The one who built his house on the rock not only heard the word, but obeyed it. He acted on it. And so there's this this critical sense in which we've got to not only hear God's word, but we've actually got to put it into practice in our lives and actually act on it. So renewing the mind then is a lifestyle, not an experience. Okay, I I, I think as Christians, uh, maybe it's just as humans, but I think as Christians, we we get this idea that so much of what God's doing in our lives is an experience. And I'm not against experience, man. I had some really, really good experiences in my life where God did some things in me that have literally just been turning points. And there was an experience where God took something, did something and just put me into a new direction. But far more than just the experience, there's that ongoing lifestyle. There's that process, 
right? We have the experience of giving our lives to Jesus, and then we're saved, we're born again. But then there's that process of change that begins from there and lasts us pretty much our whole lifetime through. You know, you can't, for example, come up to the altar and have the pastor lay his hands on your head and pray for you and receive a renewed mind. Now, if if you could, I mean, that'd be awesome. I'd be the first guy in line. You know, it's it's that same thing as Paul talks about crucifying the flesh daily. You know, laying that down. Somebody asked me last week, well, what does that mean, crucifying the flesh? And it's that place where really we talk about just simply day by day by day having to acknowledge that God's got to be the one who's in control of our lives. You know, I want to just look for a minute at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. And it says this, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not physical, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And we'll talk about that word in a couple of minutes. But it's also about refuting arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now we're just going to leave that verse up there just for a minute. According to that last little line there, which thoughts are the ones that we have to be most vigilant about? The ones that we know are wrong? Or every thought? Now that's an interesting idea, isn't it? I mean, it's bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Not just the things where we say, well, you know, I know I get myself into this frame of thinking and then I get myself all discouraged and I really should submit that to Christ. It's not just that. It's every thought. We have to literally take everything in our lives, lay it before God and say, God, this all belongs to you. It's all yours. And you see, so crucifying the flesh or renewing our mind really means that we simply don't trust our natural instincts and our natural wisdom to keep us on the right track. There's nothing in me that has the capacity to make my life turn out right. Even the right thoughts don't actually help me any. What I need is God's thoughts, right? So we've got to acknowledge our need for God's help in every area of life. The areas we recognize as being wrong and we know we need some help. And the areas we think are fine. We submit ourselves to God's leadership and control in every area of life. Not just those where we can tell we need some help. And so we've got to renew our minds in every area of life. Okay, Any area that's not like Christ holds me back from doing God's will. Now, last week I used the example, and I'll just reiterate it again, of a ship that's got several anchors that hold it in place. And you can lift all but one of the anchors, and the ship is still stuck. It's still stuck in place. But you know, once you've got only one anchor down, you don't have to lift it very far, and the ship is actually free to start moving. If you think about that analogy and you think about our lives, sometimes there are things where just freeing up that one last thing in your life might be just what you need to start moving towards a different life in Christ, to start moving towards a different level of breakthrough. Sometimes, I, I, you know, I think I certainly experience this, and that is it, it gets to be a little bit discouraging. You know, we find that God's working on, well, and I'll just say me. I I find that God works on some things in my life, and he works on some things. 
And then, you know, after a while, I start getting tired. I'm like, God, well, how many more things are there to go? And it's like God just keeps chiseling away at something and chipping away. at And then all of a sudden, it's like breakthrough. You know, a friend of mine said, spiritual growth, we'd love it, wouldn't we, if spiritual growth was this nice, steady sort of, you know, line of growth. But it's really not. Most of the time, spiritual growth is a series of, and he put it this way, a series of plateaus and brick walls and then quantum leaps. And it's like we're on this plateau and we start to get frustrated with it and we're trying to break through into something new with God. We can feel God's encouraging us to step through to something. But we look at our lives and we think, I I don't know how I'm going to get there. And we just keep banging up against this brick wall. And it's like it's just not getting through and we're just not getting through. And then all of a sudden one day we're on top of it and we think, how did I get here? You know, that's what spiritual growth is like. All of a sudden, God just takes that process and he transforms our thinking and suddenly we break through into something new. And again, that verse says we've got to take every thought captive. And we have weapons to do that, even when those thoughts represent strongholds in our lives. Now, what's that thing about a stronghold? What's a stronghold? Well, a stronghold is a fortified position that's held by an enemy. Now, if you think about the warfare in the seasons where Paul would have written this, a stronghold would be, you know, a perfect stronghold would be a place where the, where the enemy could, could have this position uh, of, of being able to see things that are coming towards them, but you can't see where they are. And so by the time you get close enough to sort of see where they are, you've already been shot. Right? It's, it's like, that's what that whole idea of a stronghold is. And it's like, by the time I get close enough to understanding what it is that has to change in my thinking, it's too late. I've, I've already been trapped and I can't seem to get past. And Paul says we've got a, we've got a, a weapon available to us. We've got weapons that allow us to take down those strongholds. And it's really talking now about strongholds in our minds. This is, you know, this is an interesting one, is that so often I think we like to blame our circumstances. We like to blame other people. You know, it's really in vogue to blame your parents. You know, it's the way I was raised. It's my parents' fault. I'm not responsible. I turned out the way I did because, you know, somebody bungled the process. And so, you know, help me, I've fallen, I can't get up, kind of a, kind of an attitude. You know, and the reality is that it's really all got to start in our own thinking. That's what Paul's telling us. He's telling us that when we allow God to change our thinking to align with his word, that's when we start seeing breakthroughs in life. You know, if there are strongholds in our minds, then we need to go to work and take every one of those thoughts captive and drive them out with the thoughts of God. There, there are thoughts of fear. There are things that we have that, that, that just start to nag away at us with anxieties and fears. We've got to take those thoughts captive. We've got to go to God and we've got to say, God, I, I need a breakthrough here. I don't want to be controlled by fear. I want to be controlled by my desire to do what you've called me to do. You know, I think, I think one of the biggest handicaps that prevents us from sharing our faith is we're, we're, we're fearful. We're afraid. Afraid of what? Well, I don't know. I just don't want to offend somebody. What, what, what? Offend them 
risk offending them or risk letting them head into a godless eternity? Why would I risk offending them? I, I, speak up. Share what God's put in your heart to share. But those thoughts of fear hold us back, right? There's thoughts that, that drive us towards anger. I know that's been a big one in my life. I get angry when things don't go the way I thought they should. And all of a sudden I find myself getting angry and getting worked up. And the problem here is that I've got to just stop and ask myself, what are you angry about? Why am I angry? God, put your thoughts of peace into my heart. God, I choose to think thoughts of peace. I'm not giving myself to thoughts of anger. Right? If Ingrid was just talking about thoughts of poverty. What about thoughts of low self-esteem? I know a lot of people struggle with that. They think to themselves, I don't know that, you know, I don't know if I'm really worth it. I don't know if I really can. I don't know. Listen, start to think God's thoughts. Whatever those thoughts are, we've got to drive them out of our minds by renewing the things that we think. And the deal is we've got to replace those thoughts with the thoughts of God. Okay, renewing the mind enables us to see God's will come to pass in our lives. Now, we're going to go back to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And here's, here's what I want to just point to now, because it's that last line. It's where it says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I want to say this. There is no greater joy or no greater sense of fulfillment in life than knowing that we're at the very center of God's will. How many here, you'd say, Pastor Ron, there has been a point in my life where certain circumstances just all came together and I realized there's no way that could have happened without God putting me right here, right now. How many How many have had that experience at some point? Many of us, right? It's like you just have that moment where you realize, okay, that's pretty, that, that's pretty cool. God just did something there. He just knit 15 different things together and crossed them all right at that point and I was exactly at the right point at the right time. There's no greater sense of fulfillment. That's the kind of thing that just leaves, certainly me, feeling like, wow, God, that's amazing. I don't even know how you got me there because I wasn't specifically focused on trying to do your will. And yet what what Paul's telling us here is that that whole process of learning how to do God's will comes when we simply let God begin to guide our thinking and change the way we think. Okay, so a couple of things here. God's word is God's will. God doesn't have one thing in his word and another thing in his plan for you. God's word is God's will. So, you know, this question of how do I renew my mind according to God's word is really the key that unlocks the question of how do I get to the place where I can prove out God's will in my life. God's word is God's will. And then the second thing is that the power to renew your mind comes from God, not from you. This is not me somehow trying to change the way that I think. This is me going to God and saying, God, I want to think your thoughts. I want you to put your thoughts into my mind. Okay. And the overall point is that to change the outside, you've got to change the inside. Actions flow from thoughts. Now, let me give you a really interesting example. Do you remember in the story of the Israelites being in Egypt 
They spent 400 years in slavery, and then they were miraculously delivered from Egypt. God just does all these miracles, and and they get out of Egypt. What exciting days, right? They didn't have to make bricks for the Egyptians anymore. They didn't have to haul all those large stones up to the top of the pyramids anymore. They didn't have to build cities. They didn't have to worry about the taskmasters and the whips. So Exodus chapter 14, they're free. They could live the life they dreamed about and God's working in their lives. And here's what happens. Exodus chapter 15, they bump into a little bit of a problem. They don't have any water. And guess what they do? We want to go back to Egypt. Uh, what? But you see, that was the pattern of their thinking. The only thing we know is if when we were in Egypt, we had food and we had water. Yeah, and you had bricks and whips and taskmasters. Right? So, Exodus chapter 16. They have no meat. All they have is this boring manna. I mean, seriously, God rains angel food down on them every day. And they're like, oh, this is gross. It's horrible. We want to go back to Egypt. Exodus chapter 17. There's no water again, and guess what? Well, let's go back to Egypt. Exodus chapter 32, Moses goes up on the mountain for a little while, and they're like, well, I don't know what happened to Moses. Let's make a golden calf and have it lead us back to Egypt. Right? Numbers 11, they got tired of the manna again, and what do they want to do? Go back to Egypt. In Numbers chapter 21, this is where, where uh, sorry, Numbers 14, where the, the uh, spies go into the land and then they bring back a lousy report. And what do these people say? Oh, bummer, we're never going to take the land. Let's go back to Egypt. Like, you know, do you, you see a pattern here? Like there's some thinking going on, right? Numbers chapter 21. Again, they want to go back to Egypt. So over and over, they want to go back to Egypt. There were seven distinct times in that history. You know, here's the interesting thing. Almost all seven of those happened in the first two years after they were set free from slavery. So it's not like they didn't remember It's not like, well, that was my great-great-grandpa, and I just heard great stories, and I never experienced Egypt for myself. I'd like to go, no, 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 these are the people who felt the whips on their backs, who had to make the bricks themselves. They want to go back to Egypt. Why? Because it's how they thought. It's all they knew. It took God two weeks to get Israel out of Egypt. It took him 42 years to get Egypt out of Israel. In the old thinking, it's very, very strong. It sticks around for a very long time. And we can laugh and say, well, boy, that was pretty stupid. But, you know, I think if I look at my own life and I look at some of my own thinking patterns, I might be a little embarrassed at just how silly some of that might look to somebody else, too. We always seem to forget that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and that God wants to take us further. Let me give you the five R's of change, simple steps to make it easy to understand how to apply the kind of change you need. And these steps will work in your marriage, they'll work in your finances, they'll work in your physical health, they'll work in raising children, they'll work in every area of your life. Number one is responsibility. Take responsibility for yourself and for your life. Stop blaming God for the condition you're in. Stop blaming your spouse for the condition you're in. Don't blame your neighbor. Don't blame your boss. 
If you don't accept full responsibility for where you are at right now, you're stuck. You're not going to change. As long as you blame somebody else, what you're going to do is wait for them to change instead of try to step out yourself. Okay? So I said quite a bit about this last week, so that's all I'll say for today. Number two is, and I'm going to use the word rethink. Rethink what you believe and what you assume is true. Rethink what you believe is right and what you assume is the appropriate way to handle life. Rethink those concepts for living that you developed when you were growing up. If you don't rethink some of those things, you'll keep on living and making decisions based on thinking that's totally wrong. You keep bumping into this desire to go back to Egypt. Mildred Hodges, an old wise friend who's long since gone on to her reward, um, you know, I don't know if Sherry and Tony, I don't see them here today, but Sherry would, would have known Mildred. Um, she said this, she said, if you seem to be at a point in your life where you're not growing or where you're not experiencing God like you feel you should, ask yourself, where did you believe a lie? I'm going to say that again. If you seem to be at a point where you're not growing or where you're not experiencing God like you feel you should, ask yourself, where did you believe a lie? You think about the Israelites. The lie was they forgot about the bricks and the whips. They remembered the food. They remembered the water. But they forgot about all the other stuff. They believed this lie about how wonderful Egypt was and about how horrible God was. And it's the lie that got them in trouble. So how do you rethink? Well, you start reading your Bible and you start letting your, your God's word renew your mind and your thinking. And you know, I'll, uh, careful for your toes if you've ever said this, but I, I, it stuns me and I've had it happen several times in my life and in, in my, in my times as a pastor where people will say, well, pastor, I know what the Bible says, but I think, and it's like, I want to just say, who cares what you think? But I have this feeling I've looked in the mirror and said that. Well, I know what God wants, but I, I'm afraid. I don't dare. I don't know how. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have the strength. We got to stop and just say, if I know what God wants and I know what God says, then that settles it and I'm off. I'm going. Number three, reject. Reject your old thoughts. Reject the old ways that are so natural you do them without even thinking. And this is one of the most difficult steps because old habits of thinking are very hard to break. Now, I didn't watch anybody this week, so any any relationship to, to actual events is purely coincidental, okay? But how, how many people, don't put your hand up, walk in the house and the first thing you do is flip on the TV, you know? How many people, you walk in the house and the first thing you do is something that isn't really that particularly helpful towards growing in Christ? 
I discovered at about 18 years old, I was living on my own. I finally discovered that, that there was alcohol available to me. And I just got myself in this habit where as soon as I got home from work, the first thing I did was pour myself a drink. Well, it helps me relax. Yeah, boy, that was going to take me in a direction that wasn't very healthy pretty quick. And I thank God that it never did because he, he brought me up short with it. But you know how many people you do things. It's like, you know, um, here's a couple of thoughts I have. So I'll poke another one at me. Setting the cruise control at 10% over the speed limit. Right? Veronica, don't you give me the dirty look now. Stop it. But it's how we think, right? It's just what we do. It's just our nature. It's just what it's just what I've always done. I've never got caught, so 10% seems safe. Is it right? Having ice cream on your dessert when you decided to diet. And you know the problem with ice cream is that you know it's it's not the ice cream you decide to eat, it's the ice cream that you go to get out of the freezer and the tub's empty and you're thinking, hmm, when that happen? That that's the one that, that that's the real problem. Right? How about buying a bag of pop or chips when you don't really have the money? Yeah, I better stop because I'm gonna offend somebody. But do you struggle with things like that? You know, you, your brain says, I really want to do the right thing. I know this is the right decision. I think about it, I decide to change some things, but the next thing I know, I get distracted and boom, the old habit pops right back. And there it is again. And I did it. I'm fairly sure you can relate to that kind of pattern because we all sort of struggle with some of those things. But what I have to do is I have to reject my old way of thinking every time it comes back. When the thought comes to go back to the old behavior, I have to reject it before it becomes an action. I have to bring it captive to the word of God. That's what Paul's talking about with these strongholds. So let me, let me just kind of, somehow I, I wrote this down and, and then I read it back and I thought that was the Holy Spirit because I didn't think this up. So let me just read this for you. Letting negative thoughts become actions and then repenting and promising God you'll do better next time will not break the cycle. I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that today. Okay? I needed to hear that yesterday. Letting negative thoughts become actions and then repenting and promising God that I'll do better next time will not break the cycle. Okay, the way to break the cycle is to catch it right where it starts and stop it right there. Literally say, no, this is a negative thought. I don't want to do this and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let this thought be in my mind. That's what it's talking about when it says, capture those thoughts and make them submit themselves to what, to, to the test of what pleases God in my life. You have to reject the cycle right on the spot, and then when it's trying to repeat itself, you just say, no, not going to go there. Reject the old way of thinking. Then number four is replace. Replace old thoughts with new ones. You know the best way to break an old habit is to substitute it with a new one. That is always the best way to break an old habit. Practice new ways of thinking. Meditate on the word. Practice new thoughts. 
You know, when you're driving your car, instead of spacing out, listening to some ungodly radio, you know, ungodly depressed radio personality or, or some, you know, talk show host who's just mad and railing at every caller who, who comes in, put on some worship music. Or better yet, put on an audio Bible and let God's word start to do its work. Redeem that time. Take hold of it and, and, and let God begin to change you. You know, change your thoughts. Start telling yourself, I enjoy living debt free. It feels good to pay for things when I buy them, not six months or a year later. It's nice to have money in the bank and have all my bills paid. I am disciplined with my money. I only spend my money after I've paid all my bills, paid my tithes and put money into the savings account. Right? Well, Pastor Ron, isn't that the power of positive thinking? No, that's the power of aligning my thinking with God's word. The power of positive thinking doesn't actually work. If you practice for a while, you'll get into a store and you'll see something your old way of thinking wants and your mind's going to say, nope, I'm not buying that because I am a good money manager. I'm disciplined in how I spend. I save money. I invest money. I'm in control of my finances. Okay, you just have to train your mind. How about this one? I don't want to watch TV. I want to read God's word. I enjoy reading the Bible. God speaks to me when I read his word. I have a better day when I read his word. I get more done when I spend time in prayer. God gives me favor with my boss when I spend time in his word. You'll practice that for a while. And you're going to find yourself coming home, heading for the TV, and your mind will say, hey, you should read your Bible. God will speak to you if you read your Bible. Train your mind. If you don't replace your thinking patterns with something new, you're not going to get victory over an old habit. Replace old thoughts with new ones. Start telling yourself how much you hate cigarettes. I'm going to stop smoking these things. God isn't pleased with this addiction. I don't need cigarettes. I'm relaxed and calm. The peace of God guards my heart and my mind, not nicotine. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to smoke these things anymore. Just start telling yourself over and over. Tell yourself you don't need to snack to feel satisfied. I don't need to snack on food. I need to snack on God's uh, God's word. God isn't pleased with an addiction. I don't need to eat to satisfy a compulsive craving. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to keep it healthy and strong. You know, by deliberately replacing old thoughts with new ones, you're helping to break down those habitual old ways of thinking. Then number five is review, and I'm going to add out loud. Review it out loud. Speak out your new thoughts. Make them a part of your regular conversation. You know, if your problem is money, Maybe you've been saying things like, I just don't know where all the money goes. It seems like it just slips through my fingers. I've never been able to save money. Well, speak your new thoughts out loud. Start declaring something different, saying it out loud. Tell your wife, I'm so glad God is starting to bless us financially. I'm so glad he's teaching me to be a good money manager. Maybe you don't spend enough time at home. Maybe you're a good provider, but you're never there. Start saying things like, I love spending time with my wife and my family. I love talking with my kids. I love talking with my wife. I love going home and spending evenings with my family. Review out loud what you want. See, as long as you keep talking about the problem, you keep reinforcing what's wrong. And you'll keep doing more of it. But when you begin to speak new words, 
that are based on the new thoughts that God wants to give you out of his word, you start to develop a new way of thinking and you have what you say. So then out of the new treasure of your heart flows a new life. Now, just a quick thought, and then I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna wrap up. Most people who got in the ditch with the whole prosperity message years ago didn't realize they had to get the principles of God into their heart before they could get the prosperity of God into their bank account. That's why a lot of it didn't work. Okay, they wanted the wealth without the change of heart. And the secret here is it's the change of heart. It's the fact that God wants to renew our thinking, our heart, renew our mind, renew the way we see life by substituting our natural thoughts with the thoughts that come out of his word. Okay, Practice new ways of speaking. Declare what God's word says. And somebody always asks, but pastor, what if it's not the truth? Am I, am I lying if I start saying things that aren't the truth? Let me ask you a question. What's more true, your circumstances or God's word? What's more true, God's word or the observable reality around you? See, God's word is more true. And when you begin to declare God's word, you're speaking out a truth that really exceeds the truth of the circumstances that you live in. God's word is more true than your experience. Okay, so number one, take responsibility. Number two, rethink, challenge your assumptions. Number three, reject the wrong ways of thinking. Number four, replace those old habits and thoughts with new ones. And number five, change how you talk. Learn to speak out of the truth of God's word, not your own thoughts. Now, you know, you can only do all of this out of the strength of a relationship with God. And as I finish up this morning, I just want to give an opportunity again, as we always do. If you're here and you say, Pastor Ron, I don't have that kind of a relationship with God, where God actually interacts with me to the place where he's going to help me change my thinking. I didn't know that God cared enough about me personally to even want me to grow into something of his will. All of that begins with you taking a few moments to just invite God to get involved with your life. That's where it all starts. And if you're here this morning or if you're listening on the web to a webcast And you say, Pastor Ron, I'd I'd like to invite God to get involved with my life. Then I'm just going to lead everybody here in a very simple prayer in just a minute. And it's just a prayer that simply does that. It just asks God, invites God to get involved with my life and to make a change in my way of thinking. And if you'd say, Pastor Ron, I'd like you to include me in that prayer this morning. Would you do something for me this morning? I'm just going to ask everybody here if they'll just bow their heads. Just stop looking around just for a moment, just to respect the privacy of anyone who might want to respond. And if you're here and you'd say, Pastor Ron, include me in that prayer, please, this morning. Would you do something for me while nobody else is looking around? Would you just look my way, catch my eye, lift a hand, wave at me, say something that helps me to know that you'd like me to include you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, if you're here or if you're listening on the web and you want to be involved, just 
you want to have God involved in your life, just take that moment to pray this prayer with us here. And I'm going to ask everybody to repeat it after me. Just says, Heavenly Father, this morning I want to give my heart to you. I want to choose to live my life your way. I want to ask you today to come into my life to forgive me for the wrong things I've done and to help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you do something? Would you just ask uh, or just talk to me after the service? Talk to Veronica, talk to Pastor Scott, Pastor Yvette. We'd like to just encourage you, and we've got some material that will help you. If if uh, if you'd speak to us, that would really be a blessing to us, and I'm sure to you.